everybody. Welcome to GST Friday. I'm your host, Dean Sage. I've got a special uh, one-on-one coming up. Uh, actually, our most popular podcast guest ever, like ever, uh, it's almost 10,000 downloads just, just alone. And we did it like a year and a half ago, I think. So we're, we're welcoming back Jackson Raddick. Jackson, hey, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I, you know, I'm doing pretty good. It's, it's, uh, it's night my time, night your time. I think this is the first time that we've ever actually been sort of in this. We're just all on the same day. I don't think. I think. Uh, are you I'm still? In, I'm still. I, I'm still in the future. Are you? Well, are you still on Saturday? Like, are you still? Saturday. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, oh God! Well, then we we actually are on the same day for like the first time in forever. It's one first time ever. Yeah, it's one thirty in the morning Saturday here. So that's yeah that's cool um how, what is it what's it like on the other side of the world like, actually i had someone asking me like are you going into spring or winter or like what do you what's coming up for you well it's going we're in we're in um like autumn right now so fall mm-hmm. going into winter so it's starting to cool down which is great i love it <laughs> and by cool down i mean i was actually this is another thing i was talking about with my friend it's like your version of hot australia's version of hot is very different than a lot of other people's versions of hot so um, what's it been Celsius for you? Like this, this last summer, um, about 35 degrees Celsius. Yeah. So that's, that's getting up there. Um, that's pretty hot. <laughs> and you're kind of in and, the, you're in the Northern sort of portion of it, right? You're well, on the, on the East coast, I'm like just above halfway. Okay. So, so it's where like, I am is like very tropical and very hot and humid. Lovely. Right. Right. Um, but it, I mean, it can get like in the interior, especially it can get pretty dang, uh spicy out there mm, like 45 yeah to 50 degrees yeah so we're we're talking like melted rubber i think at some points yeah yeah it's hot it's not nice yes. and that there it's it's like dry heat out there so there's like no wind and nothing it's just it just stands there actually we have we have one area here in the states i think that kind of compares it's uh phoenix arizona um, I don't know if you ever found found yourself out there, but it gets about uh, in Fahrenheit. It gets about one hundred five, one ten usually in the summer, and the air is so thick you can literally feel it as you like try to move through it. No, that's what it's like here in the middle of summer. You feel like you're like walking into a sauna. Yeah, and then uh, if, if if you've ever been to if you ever get down to like Florida or uh, the Louisiana coast, then it's hot and humid, um, and just no. Just know. Yeah. Where yeah. Well, actually, this is a good question. Where in the world, like, if if you could live anywhere, you have you have all the monies, you know, all the cute boys, just anywhere you could live. Where would you Where would you set up shop? Oh, probably in Berlin. Hmm. Okay. Berlin. Berlin or London. Okay. I. I mean, London. London makes sense to me because your connections with the music and the things. What about what What about Berlin inspires you? It's the the lifestyle there is very me. It's very crazy, very eccentric. They, I mean, they have such a weird like they're they're they were catching up so much because of uh, depending on you know where you are in Berlin, you know the, there was there was communism, you know, mm. <laughs> until recently. So like it, a lot of interesting things, like a lot of German producers are actually coming up with very interesting mixes of like old and new. Um, yeah, it's it's a very it's a very cool place. Like I went there last year again and every time i go back it's just like an eye-opening experience the way that they view things and the way that they produce and make art is just phenomenal well it's and what's really interesting is that prior to world war ii um prior to the to the rise of of nazism they actually had a very vibrant gay community and um you had a lot of people on the continent and even from england that would like 
exfiltrate to Berlin to, you know, experience this sort of uh, community uh, that it existed there prior to all of the bad stuff going down. So it's mm. it's in the roots, it, you know, and then it kind of like went really underground, obviously, for a while and then came back. That's a, it's a curious place. If any of our listeners are for, from Berlin and you agree with Jackson, you know, tweet us and let us know uh, what, what you like about the city. And for any of you that have had the opportunity to travel there, if you share Jackson's opinion, definitely let us know what's going on with that. Um, and then London, I mean, London's just London. Uh, London, London's freaking amazing. I love London. L- London's <laughs> like, London is literally everything in one place. Uh, yeah. So, and that's, that's. And like, you know, I go there, I go there every year. So it's basically my second home. Like in a year, I maybe spend an eighth of my year over in the UK. So I love going there. Now, have you started collaborating with people from the UK? Um, is that part of sort of your musical scene or do you like, that's actually a a really good question. Where do you find most of your musical inspiration from? Oh, that's a very big question. So like my, I kind of, it's like a mix between like five or six different artists that I really, really like. And it's all, it's not like, finessing their music or like deconstructing it like the thing that attracts me most to certain artists are their lyrics and their actual like drumming beats Mm -hmm. and then everything else that kind of is attached to that i can kind of cancel out because like uh, artists like tovlo i love her i I was hoping you were going to mention her because especially with the berlin her producers i believe are based in berlin they are and i had the amazing opportunity to meet her and to have a conversation with her Oh, you're going to make Brendan incredibly jealous when you, when you talk to him on the podcast, make sure you rub (laughs) that in his face. When, when, when her and I met, like we, we click really well. We have the same kind of visualization and concept with our brands and our music, even though we're completely different people and completely different artists. Well, her uh, music is so beat driven, especially, uh, that's, it makes perfect sense when you were talking about it. So like for you, when you build the music, do you do you hear the beat first? Do you start with sort of that rhythmic, you know, yeah. so feel? I, I always like the way that I write my my music is like I will build an instrumental. Like I make an instrumental every week, just out of boredom when I have spare time, and I always start with the bass beats, and then I'll add a second line of beats, and then you know you just start adding more and more and more and more and more until you have this full depth sound and this this. This, this actual music and then I'll leave it for a while. Like at the moment I have about 150 instrumentals sitting in my computer and with my album, which is coming out, I shortlisted it down to the 14 that I like the most. And then the 14 that I've written lyrics to over time. Cause I might not, I might not write the lyrics for like a year. It's just when I go, Oh shit, I'm going to use this. And then I'll write to it. I was going to say, so unlike some of the other artists that we've had on the podcast, you very much start with the the music as the language and the lyrics would, would flow from that or, or be inspired by that. Do you ever, do you ever have like a, a mood or an idea? Like when, when the music starts to flow, are you trying to make a picture? Like wh- where's the basis of it? Is it, you know, where, where do you, where do you sort of find that inspirational moment? For me, um, it often comes from something that's like if I've had a really shitty day and I'm really frustrated, I will pick out the instrumentals that I like and I'll listen to them and listen to them and listen to them. And then the way that I write songs is kind of like word vomit because my music's 
not so much singing, it's more rapping. I can just kind of speak. And because I know what the music is like because I've made it, it kind of it fits melodically and it slots in really well with the music. And like if you ever have the opportunity to watch me actually write a song, like I've my songs from my first EP Haze, so In a War and Glance, I wrote both those songs in five minutes. Like they just like I was in I had a really the glance was written just after I got back from New York when I first met you. And I was really like overwhelmed by the whole thing that had just happened. I was trying to process everything. I wrote that song just like, boom. I'm hoping I wasn't the cause of the overwhelmingness though. No, no, not at all. (laughs) Um, And actually that was a lot of fun. And I should just put a quick plug in since you mentioned it. There actually is a YouTube um, that you and Felix Warner did uh, where you, uh, we were in the cocky boys office and we got a chance to sit down. That was, even though we had actually talked several times and you'd been on several podcasts, that was the first time that we met in person and, and you saved my charger. Like you saved my entire life. Uh, yes. And I, and I lost my bag that day. I remember I left it in the taxi. Yeah. Um, did you ever get it back? I forget. I did. I did. Well, yay for, yay for New York cabbies. So, I mean, everything that you're saying seems to indicate to me that like rhythms, uh, the, the way that the, you know, the, the spaces and the beats and those kind of things that even, even when it comes to the lyrics are all, all boiling down from that. So you're very much moved by, you know, the beat, the rhythm, um, of, of the music that, that you're interacting with. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Well, like what I've, what I've kind of learned from like my very small musical background is that there's two different types of people. When people listen to music, there's people who listen to words and there's people that listen to the music. And I'm kind of smack bang in the middle where I listen. Like I find lyrics are like, you can listen to a music, uh, to a song without the lyrics and it'll still be a nice song because of the music. Or it should be if it's done well. It should, well, it should be. And with my, m- with my music, if you take my lyrics away, it's still a nice song. But if you add my lyrics to it, it just kind of solidifies what my message and what my mood and what my tone is from the song, like what I'm actually telling you. And I don't, I'm not going to criticize rap, but I'm, I'm going to speak just that there, there has been um, in in certain veins of it a tendency to simply put a beat down in order to give the rapper something a cadence to work with, and there mm. it becomes you know, to the point of like uh, verbal um, gymnastics. And there are some people that are extremely talented at that. Um, However, like myself personally, I like what you do. And it reminds me a little bit of more of the 90s style where it was a combination. And I think this is kind of where hip hop, you know, emerged from. I mean, you can have, have to correct me on this, but, you know, the merger of lyrical with the cadence and with the 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 rap all put together kind of making a song whereas and, and you know like um there i can't i can't pull the names off the top of my head um because i'm not i don't listen to it as much as, as a lot of other people do but like there just are some people that are incredibly talented at you know you know just spilling words and and rhythms and then there are people that kind of try to mix the two and i kind of see you sort of in the middle where you're not trying to do the the tongue gymnastics necessarily no but you well, like, are making like, like the, the musical tonalities no like when when i when i write so i'll have the i always have my headphones in and i'll be listening to my instrumentals on my computer and then i'll think of something and then i'll write it down and then i'll go back to the beginning of the song and then i just start 
literally I'll just start building the song. And then once I figure out what the actual beat of the music and what the flow of my lyrics are, I can just go. So it's almost like your voice becomes another instrument in the mix. And you, to me, what you're describing is what the composer goes through. So a, an orchestral composer, you know, will sit down and, and think of themes and motifs and then start to piece them together and work them together. And, you know, they'll, they'll build sort of what we call the, the vertical system, um, you know, whereas most of the time, you know, stuff is written on single lines. So that's a very horizontal way. But a, a composer really looks at the top to bottom, how everything is flowing together. Um, so mm. the lyrics seem to be like the last instrument that you add in some cases. Yeah, in, in essence, yeah, that's the last layer that I'll add. Um, now, we the last time we were together, we talked about some um, cultural differences when it came to um, words, and I think we we're having some fun with that. Um, but what's actually interesting to me, because this is an example of, of true cultural exchange, so for um, everyone in America, we associate rap with black culture, with, um, you know, the 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 progression out of, uh, uh, spirituals into jazz and other forms, and then finally leading to um, slam poetry, spoken poetry that eventually, you know, had a beat applied to it. For you being in Australia, like how much of that was, you know, influenced for rap for you? Or are there actual local examples that kind of inform you in a way that maybe someone who grew up in the States wouldn't necessarily have? Oh, it's kind of it's 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 kind of a a tricky topic because in Australia we don't have the same issue with like the journey of black culture in America has been one that's very hard it's been very oppressive and it's been yes. a big struggle for that community <laughs> very in Australia yeah. in Australia we have a similar thing but it's with our indigenous population but you know our government's made a formal apology and we've done a lot more co- progressive things over time to kind of deal with that. Mm-hmm. So I, in Australia, the indigenous community or in like in America, the African community, like the black community doesn't own the, the right to hip hop and rap as much. So it's kind of, I, it, it's, I, I don't, I don't want to sound like, like I'm generalizing or anything. So no, no, but I'm, just, I'm curious if like, um, there are other influences for rap for an Australian that maybe wouldn't be so apparent to an American Um, or does, or does rap flow directly out of sort of the American exposition of it? Well, like I'm, I, I like, I know I think it comes a lot from America because we don't have a lot of rappers from Australia, except for Iggy Azalea, who isn't really a rapper, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. just kind of just a commercialized being. Sort of like a pop icon. Yeah, like I like I really like artists like um, I like Macklemore. I do like Iggy Azalea's music, but I just don't like her as a person. Um, but like my music, it like I don't I don't really like to compare my rapping to anyone else because my rapping isn't even rapping because it's more like spoken poetry, kind of. It's not. Well, and there's, there's a lack, I think there's a lack of definition. So, you know, to a lot of people, rap would be, um, you know, very... Anything that's not singing, basically. But at the same time, it ignores the fact that, especially here in America, there is a huge cultural tradition surrounding rap. And there is, there is rap communities. I mean, there's so much more that goes on to it than simply speaking over a beat. Um, So I think, I think it's kind of unfair because there's just, there's not another category for spoken poetry that goes along with music. Um, I'm thinking like of, of like uh, India RE and a few other um, artists of the last 
you know, decade or two who have tried to kind of mix that spoken poetry back in in a way that isn't necessarily, you know, rap. Um, and sometimes it's over, you know, guitar instrumentals and other things. Um, mm. So, no, but I was, I was, cur- you know, I was curious, like as a, as a, as a young boy growing up, if all of the um, influences were really sort of exported American influences or if there was any other um, sort of more Australia specific things that, uh, you know, the, an American audience wouldn't be familiar with. Well, like the thing is, uh, it's really hard for any Australian artist to reach the status that a lot of American pop stars do because we are so far away. And if we are going to make it, we kind of have to move there anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of our in like our idols and a lot of our inspiration does come directly from Europe or from America. Okay. So it's kind of it's kind of the way it operates. Like we don't we 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 have local talent, but it's not on the same scale as what you would have in the U.S. And I mean, the interesting thing about the continent too is that most of your population is around the coasts for the you know, and so for. It's a huge continent, but at the same time, I, I don't. What is the actual population differential? 20, do you know? Twenty-three million people for the whole country. Yeah, so it's it's you know just just on the fact that there really aren't as many of you as yeah. you know as for per per land mass per capita. Um, well, like in the U.S., you're sitting at like 150 million people. Mm-hmm. So well, I was going to say, I think in New York alone, there's like easily 11 million now, uh, somewhere yeah. like that. So. Uh, you know, that you, you, that's actually, you know, when it comes to music, uh, New York and, uh, especially in Harlem and other places have been huge influences on, um, rap in particular, just because I, I think that when you get a lot of people together, you, you know, create these communities of creativity. Um, I feel like Australia is very spread out. Um, yeah. you know, and, and so it's like, you don't have as much sort of collisions necessarily in a creative capacity. Well, that's, like on a creative level, I like to have creative input from other artists and i think that makes for better sounding music and better quality of production so it's hard for me because i live out here but i still have the opportunity to do it but it's all via um internet correspondence which makes it a little bit harder it does there i mean there is something nice about when you can kind of jam together even if it's just to get ideas being in the same space physically music sounds different when it's you know being reproduced electronically versus when it's acoustic when you can both sit down at the same piano even if it's slightly out of tune so um, yeah but it is at the same time it is really amazing that you know you can collaborate with people all over the world now um and and actually have influences that you never could have had before things like the internet so it's a it's a it's an up and down. What are you looking forward to the most about this upcoming album? Now, I mean, you've done a ton of hard work. I, I've been I've known you since you've been started working on it, so I've seen the different steps that you've taken. As it's sort of coming down to the close, what excites you the most? Um, I don't know. It's it it's kind of one of those things. Um, it actually makes me really anxious thinking about what's going to happen because of the response I got from my first EP. Um, I sold 10,000 copies of that in Well, congratulations for that. I think we have to like recognize that <laughs> that's really great. And it, that, that was kind of a little bit, it not overwhelming, but I found it, it was a shock for me. Um, and considering that I did that all by myself, like I made all the instrumentals by myself, I recorded everything by myself. I sourced the contract with iTunes by myself. Um, so it was, it was a very stressful 
situation and this one is no different because I'm having to invest a lot more money and time into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm being really, it's, it is, it's almost done. I have shortlisted the track list and it's set at 15 songs. They're done. Um, all that I have to do is finish recording three of them, finish writing one, and then it's done. And then comes the fun, not so fun process of mastering and preparing and filtering yeah. and compressing. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, the, the not so fun part. Yeah, that's. I mean, actually, it's it's funny. It takes me about uh, an hour and change to edit a podcast, and then it usually takes me another two hours to get it all done through the audio filters and do the cover art, and that's just for you know a thirty minute podcast. So multiply that by a lot more. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's, that's what it's, it's like very, to do an album. It's very time consuming when you do it all by yourself. And I'm trying to source like hard copy mm-hmm. suppliers where I can have the actual CDs printed and distributed and all that stuff, which is not very fun. Well, I had Chris Crocker and Mickey Taylor on and uh, we, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about the fact that making music videos and having hardcovers is sort of a luxury these days, you know, for, for the indie artist. Um, oh, it is. It really is. Cause you, it's expensive. It is all, it's all, it's expensive and it's all you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of people don't understand, like, um, it's hard when you don't have a financier, like where you're not signed to a label and they're providing you with funding which you have to pay back anyway, it's a lot harder for you to like to go out and have a thousand CDs printed because it's going to cost you two or $3,000. And then you have to you house make- them and ship them or you have to pay somebody to house them and ship them. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a whole thing. Like, I mean, I, I actually, my job at borders, I used to, that's what I used to do is work with indie uh, booksellers and artists and things to get their stuff in the stores. And it, you know, it really, it, it, luxury is a good word because it does cost money to get those kind of things set up. So if you come from money, it's it's very easy and nice and fun. But when you don't come from money and it's all you, yeah, it takes a little yeah. bit. Well, it, 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 like making my videos, like my videos, I don't really, I don't spend a lot of money on them at all, to be quite honest. But they were always, they're not supposed to be that like elite, like kind of, standard that most pop music is it's supposed to be slightly more personal and that you can see that i've made it fans want to interact with you like they want to engage with you so by putting yourself on the various venues you allow them that chance um but they're not you know they're not expecting high quality polish and studio stuff in fact i think it turns off a lot of people i mean what do you think we're kind of in an era where um, you know, and this happens when like, I'll take a, I'll take a professional picture. I'll edit the shit out of it. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. My model will post it and it'll get, you know, a couple likes and then they take a mirror selfie and they get like a hundred likes. Mm. <laughs> I mean, do you no, think it, that it, polish is sort of turning people off these days? Well, I think it depends on the forum. Like with, I did that responsibility uh, video to, um, Callum McSwagon's video, mm-hmm. um, I did that and I did that in a like a professional professional setting, which I'd never done for any of my like Q and A's on my old YouTube channel. I think I'd never tried to, I'd never made a really serious video before. Mm-hmm. And the response that people had to that was really weird. Cause they didn't think that I would, I would be so articulate and that I could actually be serious. So I think it really depends on the forum. That's true. Yeah. Like on my Twitter, on my Twitter, I wouldn't post a video like that because my fan base doesn't want to hear me speak 
as seriously. <laughs> I was going to say, they may, some of them may not want to hear you speak, but they're not the fans that we're interested in. So, Yeah, they're, they're the ones that pay my bills, so I just suck it up and deal with it. That's true, or, or at least used to. Um, yeah. Well, um, where do you, like, what's, what's, what's going to be, like, if you picture yourself five years from now, you're living in either London or Berlin, and, like, what, what's your average day look like? What's sort of your dream existence? Well, I just want to be my artistic self. Um, I'd like to be doing more with music and film. Um, I think that movie that I did underwater with Eurocream was a phenomenal opportunity to actually get to like dabble with film a little bit more and have a more um, serious acting role, which I had never really done before. So it was quite, quite fun to do that. So music and film, I like that. I mean, obviously, we've talked about this. I don't know if we've said it on the podcast, but you and I both have strong interests in sort of queer indie productions and media in general, and not just like silver screen type movies, but, you know, little projects that, you know, get streamed and other things. Um, Mm. That's sort of something we both enjoy and look forward to. Um, Well, let's do this then. Uh, let's let's pretend that we are making uh, uh, some some sort of indie movie. Um, mm-hmm. Like what's sexy on screen? And I don't mean you know erotic you know cocks and balls and things, but I mean like what's <laughs> the most sensual sort of scene? Um, you know, it, from a cinematic perspective, what like what kind of lighting? What kind of body? You know, what what would you do to sort of convey the essence of sex, not necessarily the the physicality of it? Um, something that I really like is when you use a smoke machine in a room, it creates a haze. Yeah. And on film, it translates really, really well. Um, so I would use a smoke machine to haze the room. Give some I texture do, to the air. Yeah, texture to the air. Have warm lighting, like maybe through, you know, when you have like um, uh, Venetian blinds or mm-hmm. ones that you can adjust and have the lighting kind of streaking through in a pattern and to show the light and to show like close body contact. So you know that they're nude, you know, they're engaging in sexual activities, but you don't actually focus on like the, the cock and balls. It's more like the hands. And I was going to say, what like, like, like take it shot by shot. Where would you, where would you put the camera? What would you, what would the action, what would we be seeing? Like what sort of communicates intimacy or sexuality to you? So like eye contact and like gentle touching and stuff like that. What about like for me? I, I, I always a massive thing. For I always me. watch hands and feet too. So like hands engaging either with other hands or or other objects, they always seem to be so expressive to me. Well, yeah, hands, hands and feet are a big one. Um, like locking of legs. Oh yeah, that's like hot. intertwining. Mm-hmm. And then um, hands, hands and eye contact are a really big thing for me. So if I can see that, and then it demonstrates intimacy really well for me. No, it's it's interesting because you sort of have described the anti-porn. And I think that that's another thing that you and I share is that there's so many, I guess we could say, ant- negative examples of this. Like you can always tell when two scene partners are pretty disconnected because they're both looking off in opposite directions and they're touching each other as little as possible. Um, well, I think that was one of the things that intimidated most companies of working with me is that the style of porn that I like is very anti-porn mm. and I, that that's fine with well, me. It doesn't bother me. I think, I think this actually, like we should take this a bit further sometime. Cause I, I feel like the, even the title anti-porn is such an interesting title. We could go so many places with that. Uh, but I want to circle back around because, um, you're not only visual, but, but audio, um, this is something that I've been thinking of since I was in college and I was a music major for a short period of time. Um, I've always wanted to like represent sex 
with music, but it's such a complex subject. I'm just kind of curious, like, I mean, you don't have to like compose for it for everything, but like, where would you even start? How, like, how do you through music interpret sex? Like, I actually, I really want to show you something because I have on my album a song that is actually about sex and I made this instrumental thinking about sex. Okay, let's hear it. your 30 seconds <laughs> okay i yeah no i i hear what you mean by that and i i like i like the lightness of it i think that's the thing that really hit me the most now i know i was hearing it um over a you know an, an, a little microphone through your earbuds kind of a thing but um there was yeah there was there was a lightness and there was sort of like um a playfulness to it too i mean is that what you intended mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yep feel free to yep. say more <laughs> yep no <laughs> Song's not out yet. I'm not saying anything else. Fair enough. Fair but, enough. Uh, but it is. It is. It it's it's supposed to be like a a fun, less serious song. But it is all about my sex life. So, well, about my about my personal sex life, which is even more private. <laughs> well, I was going to say uh, you will have a chance to talk about sex and other fun things because um, uh, every other week, at least you know for the foreseeable future. Uh, Jackson's going to be joining us as a co-host of the podcast. So he'll get to interact with all of our other fun lovelies. And um, we usually pick on Brendan and his sex life. So it, it'll be a change if you offer. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, if not, ganging up on Brendan is always fun. So uh, we, we can definitely engage in that. Uh, but for people who are unfamiliar with you, just in case, mm-hmm. uh, what are your social medias? What's the websites? Like, how do we get in contact with you and find out about all the unfup, uh, the upcoming, the upcoming <laughs> album? Well, I don't know how people would be unfamiliar with me, but <laughs> well, I'm on Twitter at just Jackson Radic, so just J A X O N R A D O C. That's on Twitter. On Facebook, it's the same again, so just type in Jackson Radic, and I have a fan page on there. And with Instagram, it is officially Jackson, so officially underscore Jackson, and that's my social medias. And then I have YouTube as well, so you can just type that into the to the search bar. And it will find you. And of course, it's probably connected on all of your other things and stuff yeah, every, and places. Every, everything, everything is interconnected. Yes, yes, yes. So we we can find you. Um, yes. And we will we will be welcoming you back. Uh, or actually, they might have heard you already, and now you're hearing this one. We we're not sure. We just we go we roll with the punches. But you will hear Jackson uh, approximately every two weeks or so on the podcast. Yes. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, we we thank you very much for joining us. And uh, if you would like to get in contact with Jackson, you know. Go hurrying him on Twitters. Um, yeah. He sometimes posts, you know, some naughty pictures every once in a while. Or every, every once in a while when I'm feeling playful. I, f- I feel like Foreskin Friday is like your thing. Like you're the only one that, that, is, I, that I see that, that is, does that. That is my thing. That is that is my hashtag. 
So that is mine. <laughs> that's it's all yours. And speaking of all yours, we can see all of yours. But uh, yeah. if you go ahead, go hang out with him. If you, there are other people that you'd like to hear me interview, other voices that you'd like to have uh, as a one-on-one, uh, let them know and let me know at Dean Sage Media or at Gay Sex Cast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and do all the things and stuffs. Uh, but from everyone here at GSC Friday, we'll say have a great weekend. <laughs>